Hello, this is Sylvia Stein, and this is a promo for The Daily with Sylvia Stein. Don't forget to join us tomorrow to finish up on the narrative voice using the book by Walter Mosley, This Year You Write Your Novel. I hope you'll join us and tune in. I'll have some examples of the omniscient narrator to share with you and the final reviews on the section that we covered. I hope you'll come and join us and we'll see you on the daily with Silstein. Have a great day. Well, happy Friday everyone and welcome to the Daily with Silstein. As promised, um t- today's show we're going to cover the final notes on the narrative voice. Um we ke- we've been covering the book by author Walter Mosley, This Year You Write Your Novel, The Elements of Fiction, and we've been going over the different points of view. We covered the first person narrative, the third person narrative, and last show on Wednesday show we covered the omniscient narrator and we gave samples from what Walter Mosley gave us in the book but i wanted to go ahead and give you different uh examples um that way you know which you know what exactly dif- uh is the difference between a uh, omniscient narrator and a third person narrative because those kind of sometimes gets confused and I wanted to be able to give you an example of each of those along with the first person. But to recap, in this um section and happy Friday. Um the elements of fiction, Walter Mosley gives us a look into the narrative voice. He tells us that voice is what tells the story. It is the first thing readers are always going to encounter first and it's going to carry us from the first page to the last and it's very important to have you know the the best narrative for your manuscript or what or the story you're trying to tell in the first person as he mentioned the first person narrative as he says put simply is when the i voice is telling the story In this case he gave us a sample where it says I met Josh Sanders on the first day of March 1963. He was a shy man with big hands and an earthy smell about him. He reminded me of my grandfather whom I had hated more than Judas. So he goes a little deep in that, but when we know from the first word that we have an intimate relationship with the narrator of this tale, and this is what first person does. He mentioned that Therefore this character or at least her point of view must be engaging. The characters must always be engaging because not uh note that every iota of information in the novel must come directly from that voice. Like for example, you know, the person I is describing met Josh Sanders. That person's telling the story. That that first person whomever it may be in that book has to be the one telling the story. For example, I read you a sample of of uh, Chasing Clarity. In this case, Mia Gerard was telling you the story. When I read you the beginning of it, which I have a little bit of here just to recap, 
so nobody gets confused. Mia says, When I looked into his eyes, I could not keep from crying. It had been so long since I felt this way. And then here, we know there's another voice that's with her. Mia, what is wrong? He asked. And then Mia continues to say, I cast my eyes down to the ground and bit my lip. I blocked his voice and did not want to hear what he had to say. This was not Leo. He would never be like him. Where are you, Leo? Come back to me, my love. Grabbing my purse, I headed to the door. I'm sorry, Henry, but I have to go now. You're leaving now, he asked uneasily. I nodded. Yes, I have to go now. So here there's an interaction between Mia, and I, I mentioned her last name. It doesn't say it here, but Mia, the main character, and then you see, you hear her interacting with a boy named Henry. And then there's another person she mentions named Leo. So there's a conflict there. But you're only here experiencing what she's telling you, what she's feeling, and there's conflict there. So Mia's the only one that can tell you this story. And you'll, you know, as you read the story, you find out Mia's dealing with a loss, and she she has to learn to face different things in her in her life. But this is the first person narrative. She is the only one that uh, can tell you. Says your narrator. In this case, you know, he mentions Sally, but I'm going to call mine Mia. We'll meet people along the way. And we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back to the Daily with Silstein. Sorry about the... Uh, pause there it was I was saying in this case we're talking about the first person in this case I'm going to call her Sally or in my case Mia will meet people along the way talk to them overhear their conversation she'll read their letters and newspaper articles let's just say she'll have dreams in which important events in her life may be revealed. In this case, Mia's dealing with a heavy loss. And you could even have Mia read parts of another novel, let's just say, or of nonfiction that a completely different narrative voice. In this case, he mentions Sally. But there are dozens of ways to break up the narrative, even in the first person, he says. But everything must flow through the consciousness of this narrator. So you must be true to that voice. You can't change it. So... And what he says, and he keeps, you know, he keeps telling us in the first person narrative as I had gone over last Friday's show. When I say that you must be true to this narrator's voice, I mean, among other things, you can't change her personality to fit the story. She cannot read the minds of other characters. And she, she can only, uh, she can, she can know only what she has experienced or learned, excuse me. And she is limited by her circumstances, her physical location at any given moment, her education, her situation in life, her emotional state, etc. So, he resumes on by saying, The first person narrator is the doorway through which all the information of the story will pass. Therefore, the sense the reader has of this character must never be challenged. You can never undercut her authority. 
For example, he says, you cannot, for instance, insert a phrase such as, and let's go back to Sally, because that's what he writes here. Sally never knew her mother because Nelda Smith had died in childbirth. Who said that? Not Sally, of course. The writer said it. The writer's voice has intruded into the story. He reminds us that this will destroy the reader's faith in the words he or she is reading. The novel careens out of orbit and the story is lost. If you need to convey specific information, Sally must either think it, say it, read it, remember it, or hear someone else talking about it. In some of my book of Chasing Clarity, I have Mia write in her journal. She's writing her thoughts of how she feels. Let me see if I can read an example. For example, she says, Dear Diary, the day that changed my life forever happened on a cool, breezy day in late August 2013. The weather was not surprising for Michigan. There being born and raised there, I used I was used, sorry, to the severity of the winter weather and the unpredictability of summer. Still the chill in the air that evening set an uneasy feeling within my heart. So those are her thoughts. She's writing this down. She's she's saying it in a diary entry or if even if the person says my name is Mia Gerard or my name is in this case Sally and this is my thoughts exactly these these are the first person narrative so those those are that's what Walter Mosley states about the first person narrative so it and to conclude he says the first person narrative is powerful but also very difficult a very difficult narrative form it is powerful because you are intimate with the emotions and internal processes of the very real human being telling you the story. It is difficult because the rendering of that character has to be pitch perfect for the reader to believe in her. There is also the difficulty of making sure that the first person narrator is interesting enough to want to listen to for hundreds of pages. And we'll be right back. Welcome back. Now, in the next section that we're going to cover is he, where he covers, uh, he discusses on the this year you write your novel. We went over the third person narrative. Now, in this case, the third person narrator is the voice in which we naturally tell stories about things that happen to people other than ourselves. This narrator voice or narrative voice is not a full person. Picture the third person narrator as a small, emotionless, but intelligent creature sitting up, sitting, sorry, on the shoulder of the character who is experiencing the story. This creature perceives events from the perspective of this character and every now and then has glimmers of what, his, of what this character might be feeling or thinking. The example he gives is when he says, Brent Farley entered the room looking around for his mother. Instead, he saw Alice Norman standing near the buffet. She noticed him and smiled before he had the opportunity to flee. Hello, Alice, Brent said, holding out his hand. Her fingers were cold, and so Brent noticed were her eyes. So this is a very powerful narrative. And he continues, as, as we had said, as with the first-person narrative, we are entering the story through the experiences of an individual. 
But in this case, we aren't so intimate with all the nuances of this character. Instead, we are viewing the world through the prism of the intelligent eye. Says uh, the intelligent eye. Let's see, perched on Brent's shoulders, an intelligence without emotional response. He says it is important that the third-person narrator have a distance from the passions of the novel's character. If you begin to give this narrative voice a personality it can confuse the reader giving them the feeling that they are being told how to feel about and see this world rather than spying on it from behind one one-way mirror the cooler he continues cooler third person narrator allows us to see the world of this novel from a certain impartial remove this gives a kind of balance to the fiction that permits a reader uh, to more easily suspend their disbelief as I read to you about Sarah James and her father and the way she goes into, you know, the, uh, describing the feeling of, you know, uh, Sarah, a young girl awaiting the monster, which was her father, uh, Garrison James. But this is a third person narrative because it says, uh, as Walter Mosley puts, puts it, the third person voice is a steadier voice than the first person because you're given information by an even-tempered voice, which is good, he says. At the same time, in this voice, it can be harder to bring out the emotional depth of your characters than in the first person. You can give momentary glimpses into the mind of the shoulder you're on, he says, but you cannot as a role get deeply into their heart, or at least that's what he believes. One benefit of this form of narrative is that the dispassionate observer can at times leap from the shoulder of one character onto that of another. So that 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 is true. In my example of of um, closure, on as the story goes on, I also did diary entries that Sarah wrote. So in that case, I give a glimpse of Sarah and what her feelings are exactly because she's writing these thoughts. You know, and people get a glimpse of her and the pain that she's endured. In my latest book, The Diary of the Broken Father, Garrison James speaks in the first person narrative. And there'll be more about that later in another show. But he speaks on his own point of view. Uh, The Diary of the Broken Father is a prequel kind of to the novella Closure. And I'll be speaking more about my books at a later time. But in this case, we're wrapping up the third person narrative, not to take away from what we're saying. And uh, basically he says, let us suppose that the meeting between friend and Alice did not go very well. Getting back to the book here. At the end of that chapter or section, friend is left wondering if she suspects him of mishandling her affairs. Because if you notice, Brent Farley entered the room looking around for his mother. Instead, he ran into Alice Norman. And here we see that there's a conflict. We'll be right back. Welcome back and happy Friday. On the last segment, we were discussing about third-person narrative. We're going over the final notes on the narrative voice using the book by author, uh, author sorry, Walter Mosley. This year you write your novel. And we were giving the example of Brent Farley and what happens with him and Alice Norman. As we can see, there's a conflict there going on. So, as we can see here, 
Let us suppose, as he, as Walter Mosley says, that the meeting between Brent and Alice didn't go very well. At that, at the end of that chapter or section, Brent is left wondering if she suspects him of mishandling her affairs. So there's a conflict, definitely a conflict there. Then he gives us another example. At the beginning of the next scene, we find our narrative eye on the shoulder of Alice as she walks down the street in the long, darkening shadows of buildings her family once owned. She meets an old friend who tells her to watch out for Brent. He's not in any way a trustworthy man and would take the rest of her dwindling fortune if he could. And this is the scene that Walter Mosley gives us. I just ran into him, Alice said. He seemed to want to get away from me as soon as possible. As a matter of fact, when I first saw him, he was looking my way, and I swear I thought he was about to bolt through the door. Noreen Padam's eyes got tight, giving her a contemplative air as if Alice had posed a riddle. Maybe, dark-eyed Noreen said, he was worried that you'll figure out one of his schemes against you and your family. Maybe he was afraid you'd make a scene. So here, now, there's more doubt about Brent because of Noreen Padam. When Alice runs into her, her words are about Brent trying to get into Alice's fortune or her family's fortune. So after this meeting, your narrator, according to Walter Mosley, could jump to Noreen's shoulder, but I wouldn't suggest it. The third-person narrator should be picky about the experience it, experiences excuse me, it uses to tell the story. This form of narration can utilize the point of views of one, two, three, or more characters. But there has to be a reason for each narrative to exist. If your story is formed around a conflict, you should use a point of view from each side of that discord. The novel is about a corporate takeover. You might need eight or nine voices to cover all the subtle sides of that tale. So here, as I said, Walter Mosley shared the third-person narrative by giving you samples of a scene between Brent Farley, Alice Norman, and then he discusses uh, another scene where uh, Alice Norman runs into Noreen Padam. And here he says, it is possible to use only one point of view to tell your story. Why, you ask? Why would I use the third person narrative for only one voice? He says, why wouldn't I? I? Why wouldn't I just use the first person narrative instead? There might be many valid reasons for this decision. For instance, your character may be a cipher to himself. He's not a refle uh, reflective type who goes about articulating what he sees and feels. Or conversely, he might be too expressive and flamboyant and in need of the cool reserve of a slightly removed point of view. That's, that's the example he gives. Narrative voice is a subtle thing. You have to decide what voice fits your task. But I will tell you that the third person narrative will probably best serve you your first novel, the one you are writing this year. This form is the most flexible and durable. And he adds one more thing you should know about this form. As I have said, the third person narrator has some of the knowledge of the shoulders he's on. So when Alice sees Noreen, the narrative voice might be aware of the fondness Alice has for this young woman and might even possess some additional specific knowledge. And this is what they, uh, the sample he reads or mentions. 
Alice ran into Noreen, turning the corner at 3rd and Barton Streets. A feeling of familiar warmth came over her when she saw her old friend. Alice observed that the dark-skinned young woman maintained only the broad facial features of her mother's Swedish stock. Everything else was inherited from her father, whom Alice had heard was a criminal lawyer from Bombay. And we'll be right back. Okay. Let me go back and read that last excerpt that we were reading because it got cut out in the last segment. Welcome back to The Daily with Silstein. We're covering the third person narrative. Alice ran into Noreen turning the corner at 3rd and Barton Streets. A feeling of familiar warmth came over her when she saw her old friend. Alice observed that the dark-skinned young woman maintained only the broad facial features of her mother's Swedish stock. Everything else was inherited from her father, whom Alice had heard was a criminal lawyer from Bombay, who migrated to Michigan because his Scandinavian bride wanted him to meet her halfway. So that's the last example that Walter Mosley gave us as far as the third person narrative. And I also mentioned uh, my book Closure, because in that book, Sarah James, you know, you you find out more about Sarah James and the monster, which she describes as her father, Garrison James. And he has a, you know, he obviously her, she's she's running away from him. And you're trying to find out what the narrative is. That's the example I gave on the narrative. Now we'll share more about that book in another segment of my show, The Daily. But those are the examples I gave on the third person narrative. And now I'm moving on to the omniscient narrator, which is what we covered on Wednesday show. Just going to touch up on that before I go into the final re- uh, narrative reviews and read you samples of. And this section, I'm going to read you the samples I have for the omniscient narrator that I'm going to share with you. So, as we said, the omniscient narrator is the most powerful and most Difficult narrative form, he he says, Walter Mosley. The omniscient narrator knows all. He could tell you the story about Brent and Alice and Noreen, but if he wanted to, could also tell you about what is going on at the moment in Cuba or relate the dialogue between fleas on a rat's back beneath a secret where Noreen and Alice are talking. The omniscient narrator doesn't need any one person or some emotionless eye on the shoulder to tell the story. It is the all-seeing eye of God. At least that's how he describes it in his book. That's what by author Walter Mosley and this year you write your novel. Okay, I'm loading up the examples I'm going to read to you after I read his example. Okay. So he says, Brent Farley walked into the room looking for his mother, but instead he found Alice Norman standing near the buffet. Alice noted that Brent seemed uneasy. It's almost as if he wants to get away from me, she thought. She's looking at me, Brent reflected, thinking that the red color in her dress was meant for a younger woman. Lauren Smith-Jones, the club maitre d', noticed the two and remembered them as children running madly in muttered mud spattered jeans down the down near the stream behind the club so here we see brent farley walking in and alice 
And then they bring in the uh, Lawrence Smith Jones, the maitre d. And this is an example of the omniscient narrator. The voice is a potent one, he says. Nothing that happens is beyond its reach. The omniscient narrator can cure cancer. Uh, at least that's the example he gives here. Explain what the meaning of life truly is. Travel through space and time with impossible ease. The promise of such power is seductive, but it contains hidden dangers for the first-time novelist. The main problem is the reader. Can you convince them that you are all-knowing? Can your narrative maintain the tension between characters while at the same time speaking with such clarity and superior knowledge? The reader approaches the novel as a story that has to unfold in a certain unique fashion. She doesn't know where the tale is going. She doesn't know if Brent is really a bad man who is intent on beggaring Alice and her family. So this is where we live, uh, leave the omniscient narrator. On the next segment, I will read the next examples of the omniscient narrator. So you can see the comparisons. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on The Daily with Silstein. Okay, welcome back. So the next section, I'm going to give some examples using nownovel.com to give you some examples of the omniscient narrator. I'm going to use the example by one of, uh, uh, one of the greatest writers and uh, very one of the best uh, novels written um, by uh, author Leo Tolstoy. And uh, it's called War and Peace. And here's an example we're going to read using multiple points of view and omniscient narration to increase the tension. This is an extra thing you can do with uh, omniscient narration or narrative. Another useful element of omniscient narration is how it may increase dramatic tension. An omniscient narrator, like a swiveling CCTV camera, can show in turn each character's reaction to a a dramatic event. For example, here in Tolstoy's War and Peace, the narrator describes the character Pierre visiting his father. We just read that Pierre was expelled from the city of St. Petersburg for tying a police to a bear. Then let's move on with the example. Though he expected that the story of, of his escapade would be already known in Moscow and that the ladies about his father who were never favorably disposed towards him would have used it to turn the count against him. He nevertheless, on the day of his arrival, went to his father's part of the house. And it continues on. Pierre was received received as if he were a corpse or a leper. The eldest princess paused in her reading, silently stared at him with frightened eyes. The second assumed precisely the same expression, while the youngest, the one with the mole, who was of a cheerful and lively disposition, bent over her frame to hide a smile, probably evoked by the amusing scene she foresaw. And this can be found on pages 55 and 56 of Leo Tolstoy's novel, War and Peace. It continues on. Tolstoy increases the tension of Pierre's return by first telling us about the frosty reception he expects. After this, Tolstoy shows the response of each character without favoring one specific viewpoint. This, he says, or they say on nownovel.com, builds tension and suspense since we wonder how each character will react to Pierre's return. 
like Tolstoy used like Tolstoy, he, you, he uses the omniscient narrator's ability to describe what each character is feeling, to build anticipation and suspense. Now, Walter Mosley says, but the omniscient narrator knows all. If he doesn't tell us something, it is because he decides to withhold that information. If he does tell us, it's an absolute truth with no gradations of gray or gradations of gray. The omniscient narrative voice, therefore, runs the risk of killing the dramatic tension you're trying to create. So he believes that the, the, the omniscient narrator voice, therefore, runs, he, it does run the risk of killing the dramatic tension you're trying to create. While Tolstoy uses the omniscient narrator's ability to describe each character to build the anticipation and the suspense. So then we, he continues on. This is not to say that one should never use this voice. Many, many novels, especially those written in the 19th century and earlier, use this voice magnificently. The proper omniscient narrator's voice can be used effectively with the understanding that even the voice of God, he, he says, have slight variations and rules by which it decides to impart information. So this is what Walter mostly said about the omniscient narrator. On the next segment, we're going to cover the final notes on the narrative voice, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily with Silstein. Now to wrap up on the final notes of the narrative voice for today's show, using the book by author Walter Mosley, This Year You Write Your Novel. If you have not gotten this book, you need to get a copy of it. As he says in his book, no more excuses. You can write a novel now. Let the law... Lawn Get Shaggy and the Paint Peel from the Walls. The best-selling novelist Walter Mosley advises in this invaluable book of tips, wisdom, and practical guidance. Mosley teaches you how to. And, he te- and right now we're going into the narrative voice. And I read part of the book. Get your you know paperback. You can find it. This is a great book. Um, he gives you very honest, honest advice on how to write your book or start your novel so if you're not if you don't know where to go from it i hope that these tips have helped you in the type of voice you want to use for your book now on to the final notes of the narrative voice and i'm very happy to be with you here at the daily with sil stein in uh with anchor it's been a pleasure doing these shows and i hope you all enjoy them first and third person narrative voices bring with them limitations on what the characters in the novel can say and know he says the first person narrative can only know what the speaker knows this tale is limited by the mind and senses the situation and sophistication the gender and education of the narrator the third person narrator benefits from different points of views but can portray only one of these at a time and there is the further limit that this This passionate point of view cannot, most of the time, delve too deeply into any one character's inner workings. These limitations may seem difficult, he says, and overly exciting, but I believe that they are the best thing for the first-time novelists. The the restrictions placed on the prose by these rules are stringent, but they're also organic in the storytelling sense. That is to say, we live by third and uh, first-person lives, he says. Personally, we know what it is we think and feel. 
We pass through this life making silent comments on events going on around us. Sometimes we interact with people with conspicuous honesty, other times not so much. We feel love and hate and fear, and so does everyone else in the world. The fact that everyone knows life primarily through personal experience means that if a first-person narrative is executed scrupulously, the reader will naturally identify with a voice. Similarly, we all have some experience with a third-person narrative. We have jobs in which people are continually talking, talking to each other, talking behind each other's backs, seducing, expounding, bragging, lying. We are often we are often silent witnesses to encounters on the bus, on the street, or maybe even through apartment walls. We all know what it is to be silent, to be a silent observer. When we so when presented with the experience of cool, removed that the third person narrator perfects, we feel that we can understand the story he says, or at least we are given an opportunity to understand. And we'll be right back. Okay, and welcome back to The Daily with Syl Stein. Now we're wrapping up on the final notes on the narrative voice using the book by best-selling author Walter Mosley and his novel, This Year You Write Your Novel. Or his book, This Year You Write Your Novel. Now, he finishes off by saying, The omniscient narrator is a little larger than what we're used to. This form has no limitations that are not self-imposed. This does not mean that you cannot write a novel from this voice. The problem is that you have to be cons- a consummate storyteller with extraordinary self-control to tell a story in this way, he says. And he also mentions other possible voices. Novels can be written entirely in the first person plural, told entirely by a specified uh, we, or you know, others address the reader as you throughout. But these are idiosyncratic according to him and challenging approaches to storytelling he gives his advice my advice to you is that you use the third person narrative that's what he says to write your novel this year but of course you will do as your heart tells you to do now if you haven't gotten a copy of this wonderful book by best-selling author walter mosley this year you write your novel get yourself a copy of it he talks about so many things in this book and he tells you not to make excuses anymore Create a daily writing regime that fits your lifestyle. Develop a narrative voice that suits the tale, which is what we've been going over. Hook readers with dynamic characters. Get past those first challenging sentences and into the heart of a story and much more. I really hope you have enjoyed this uh, first start to the Daily Whistlestein. This is mainly about giving advice and writing tips along the way that will help all of you listening that have maybe have an idea that you're trying to work on and and try to you know work on a manuscript i really hope that this narrative voice segment on the daily has helped you and i i plan to bring you many many more i really hope that this um segment was a little longer than normal i'm trying to make my uh shows at least 30 minute segments uh, but i really hope that you take in all the advice and it has helped you and I hope you will call in and let us know what you thought of the segment of the show I really hope you that um, you can let us know if it helped you and you know any questions you have I also plan to to bring in other authors to speak uh, excuse me to speak about 
uh, the different uh, topics that we cover here. I may I may call an author and have them, you know, reflect their own opinions about the show as far as you know what they have to add to what I've said. So if you feel strongly about adding an opinion in regards to the narrative voice, or you have a, any type of question, be sure to call in so we can answer your question on the show and and possibly put your call on the air. If you feel uh, that you uh, weren't too clear about the narrative or if it did help you uh, clear up what you're trying to work on. Um, In any case, this has been a wonderful start to the daily here on Anchor. I am author Sylvia Stein or uh, indie author Sylvia Stein. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and thank you for tuning in uh, uh, Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays on Monday's show. We'll have another segment on writing. It'll probably be on the scene book with uh, uh, with Sa- uh, it's a book by Sandra Schofield. I'll be talking more about that on Monday. But if you have any questions on this show, be sure to send them in or call in. And I hope you'll join us here on the daily. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us.